fine. Hi, Alma. How the hell are you? I'm tired, like you. <laughs> I feel a little bit more awake than I was earlier. Do you? That's good. It's been a few weeks since oh, our last episode. That's right. We missed an episode. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Did you guys miss us? Yeah, we were busy. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Why did we miss it? Because... It was something I did. You had... Well... Just with the kids. You were moving Allie in. Yeah. That I remember. I moved out. Oh, yeah. I was in Tucson. Oh. Duh. <laughs> and then I had some personal family stuff mm, that mm, I needed yeah. to be available for, so... So it worked out great. Yeah. So we're sorry. We but did miss you guys. Home. We did miss you. We missed each other. Oh, desperately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, moving ba- uh, moving Bally back home. Moving ba- Allie back home was nice. Got my girl home. Aw. She's looking for a job. Not easy. It's crazy. You go to four years of college and then you have trouble finding a job. Uh, yeah. It's insane. Especially, well, I don't know, because I feel like right now there's a lot of available jobs. You can get a job. You can get a job at McDonald's. You can get a job right. at just any restaurant. Just not the quality jobs. You just can't get a job that's in, in your use, field. Utilizes your degree. Yeah, she's just looking to work with attorneys at a law firm. Anything that has to do with law. She's just looking to be a little receptionist, legal secretary, secretary, paralegal. Uh, she's not. Quali- she didn't take the classes. For oh, paralegal, okay. But she she's got a bachelor's in law. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. And so now she's going to be studying her for her LSATs. And then she's just taking a little break so she can get a grasp on life and then uh, go back into school for law school. So is she home for good or for the time being? Yeah. Because once she gets a job and her beau gets here and he's working because he's also looking, um, then they will find a place and move out. Are all your chicks down here from Tucson now? They're all back. Ah. It's very nice. Oh, and Aiden and Hannah just bought a house. Yeah, we talked about that. Didn't we? No, I just found out. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, well, they were moving. We talked about them moving. Okay. They were going to move downtown in a loft or something, but they ended up like, let's buy a house, which I told them to do a long time ago, but um, I don't know what happened. I thought it was weird that they didn't qualify. So they tried again, and they qualified. Ooh. They bought a little townhouse. Well, we are not going to be tipsy tonight. No. We are not partaking, because I've got some stuff I've got to wake up for first thing in the morning. But that doesn't mean anything, because tipsy or not, we are. We're still... We'll, we're still crazy. We're still a little weird. Mm-hmm. Are you uh-huh. serious right now, Shorty? <laughs> Give me some napping. You saw the recording light turn on and all of a sudden you decided it's time to go. I'm so excited I got to share my horsey story with you. Oh, yeah, you have to tell us. Talk about it. I'm a horse whisperer. <laughs> Hi, my baby. Hi, my baby. Oh, she loves me so much. Oh, yes, she does. I'm, I'm a, a dog whisperer. You are a dog whisperer. <laughs> She Every time she comes me. over, the dogs just, like, mm. want to gravitate towards her. Oh, yeah. She loves me. And 
then I um, got to do this horse healing, and it was amazing and beautiful. And Yeah, you sent me pictures. I was going to ask yeah. you if it was okay to post, but I guess now well, we we're talking about it. Yeah, post them. Post something. Whatever I sent you would be fine, I guess. I don't know. Get down. <laughs> she's fine. I think she's her legs are getting tired. There you go, Tito. Mm. All right. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Who knows what she's been licking in I know exactly. She oh. cl- cleans her own butt. But look at she's so pretty. She's all burning. I can tell she's tired. Oh, are you okay? She smacked her head. Yeah, they always hit this thing. Oh, I know. That's why I don't let the baby in here. <sighs> I always wonder worry that he's going to just smack into that thing. Oh, speaking of baby. What about tomorrow? Oh, yeah. That's we were just talking about before we started recording, like how exhausted I am because I've been because we're gonna have a baby shower for Serena tomorrow. It just came up so fast. I know. That would mean that she's we're gonna just, be due soon, right? We're, we're about a month out. That's crazy. I know. I know. It's crazy to me. When's her due date? The twentieth. September. Mm-hmm. I don't think oh. she's gonna make it that far. No. I don't. I have a feeling she's not. Oh, interesting. Is she carrying low already? Mm-hmm. <gasps> His head's down there. No. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So. That's exciting. I've spent the whole week just like, I do this anyways in general. Whenever we have like any kind of get together at the house, like I start obsessing about things that I don't notice uh-huh. until I know we're going to have company. Uh-huh. And so since we haven't really had a lot of company in the past year uh-huh. and a half, uh, a lot of stuff is built up. Oh. So we've been working on all that stuff this week. So, yeah. And I'm so happy that you're going to start doing your creative stuff again. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that was part of that was part of the break here. Um, I was uh, ramping up all my, got a brand new Cricut, got, uh, I'm going to start all my creative projects up again, which I guess segues into uh. our, our other announcement that we're going to make. Mm-hmm. Hey, feel free to comment. Let's get some comments. On. Yeah. 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 Tell us how you feel about this. Yeah. All right. So we're here to serve you. <laughs> we are. You're the reasons we do this. If we didn't have anybody listening, we probably wouldn't do it. Right. Because who's listening? Nobody. Right. So, so there's that saying that you can't be a slave to two masters. Mm-hmm. And the last time I tried to do my creative projects, I was doing the business stuff, the podcast. And trying to do the creative projects Mm -hmm. piece. And it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So I had to drop something. And that's what I let go of. Mm -hmm. And it's it's crafts. It's all the crafts. It was like I was doing woodworking. and Yeah, but you were making a little extra money too. Yeah, but it was... I wasn't making as enough money. But still, it was the joy that was coming with it. And I could tell because I told you last time. Right. Like I knew, I could see it was affecting you. Because you need that outlet. I do. I need a creative outlet. Like, this is a good creative outlet, but that, like, working with my hands and doing that kind of stuff, I love mm-hmm. doing that. So, yeah. um, can you hear them <laughs> out there? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I'm not doing the big tables and dressers mm-hmm. and all that stuff anymore because it takes a lot of time. So, I'm just going to work on the small stuff, mm. like the thrifted stuff, you know, revamping thrifted stuff and. Mm. That kind of stuff. So I'm going to concentrate on that. Good. That's and, a good uh, thing. And making my own mugs. 
Oh, yes. And you're, mm-hmm. That's so cute. And that they are so pretty. That one that you did was pretty. I like it. So anyways. Yeah. There's that. So. Oh, yeah. So here we go. Don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. I'll see how I, like, wanted to ignore it. Yeah, now I know you did. bring it up. I know you did. Okay, here we go. Here we go. No more procrastinating. All right. So. It's been so humid. So hot and humid here. <laughs> Want to talk about the rain? Yeah. All the dun, rain. Dun, dun. We've had a lot of rain. We have. And we're getting a lot of bugs. Oh. Moths. Yes. My ceiling um, is about ready to cave in mm-hmm. because uh, I got a leak. I tamed it for a minute. And then now with all this rain, like my 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 little homemade pa- patchwork on the roof. Not working. Not working. So I got to have my son's friend come and do it again. Oh, that sucks. Anyway. Okay. Now really no more procrastinate. Seriously. All right, guys. We're going to change things up for a little while. And honestly, I hate to do this, but... The amount of time it takes to, like, edit an episode, like, to make it palatable so it doesn't go over, like, three hours. Because sometimes we talk for a very long time. Well, we want to make a more quality show. Right. And so in order to do that without it taking, like, two days to edit, but to make it more enjoyable for you guys is to only focus on... One story. One one story, one story. Subject, subject really so instead of doing true crime and paranormal we're going to do paranormal Just, only yeah and it, yeah so our show will no longer longer be tipsy tales true crime paranormal it'll be tipsy tales paranormal and maybe somewhere down the line um we can revisit the whole true crime piece again yeah but yeah. there's a lot of true crime out there and we kind of want to set our si- ourselves a little different yeah. Anyway, and I think that this could be a lot of fun. True crime is super saturated yeah. right now. Yeah. I feel like everybody's doing it. Yeah. Now we can have some fun with our paranormal. Right. So all you true crime fans, we are so sorry. Maybe, you know, like every once in a while we'll put something on Patreon yeah. or on YouTube. Or we'll, t- or we'll be like, you know what? We'll bring up We're something. We're going to throw up a... Throw up, <laughs> throw up a true crime story this month, once a month or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, and sometimes the paranormal, most of the time, a paranormal story comes with a ghost story comes with a true crime story. True, we've run so into we're a few still going to be doing it. It's yeah. just going to have a different concept, and where we're not doing two hour long shows. Yeah. So our shows are going to be cut down. Yeah. And um, and we're just going to try and have more fun with it so that, oh, hello, so that you guys can have uh, more fun. So don't tune us out yet. Give us a chance and feel free to comment on what you, how you feel about it. Yeah, let us know. And, let us know. We uh, do care. Do you have any suggestions of what you'd like to see us cover Right in the paranormal realm of things? By the way, what do you think? Good? Great. Okay. Great. Shall we begin? We should. Because <laughs> I'm really excited. I want to jump into it. She brings anxiety okay. about my story. Speaking of true crime, so so this is probably going to be our last episode playing paint. All right. Reading a true crime story. And tonight, Carlene is doing true crime. And it's a and juicy. She's starting things out. And she has a juicy story. She can't wait to <laughs> tell you guys. I can't wait to hear it because I have no idea what it is. 
It's a doozy. I hope I do it justice because it's a long one. I We could have combined and done it together and probably made two shows out of it. <laughs> Some people did. Some people have had to do a series of like numerous shows over it. Oh, really? Because it's like there's two so part, much. Three part. Some people did it. It happened in 2011. And some people did the story then, but then there's been so many new developments. Right. Up until July. Really? This year? There's a movie. Yes, there's a movie. Actually, up until, yeah, um, there, was, there was a movie. Well, Dateline was going to do like a, a little mini series. You know how they, they do reenactments? Mm-hmm. Cheapers. They actually were going to do with like big stars in it. I'll tell you in a little while. Um, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And the only thing I could think of is it hasn't come out yet. And I think that that's because uh, it's not done yet. Right. The story has not finished. So it has now, I believe. Or it should be by the end of this month, I think. Hmm. But anyway, it's a goodie. Okay. I think, can I, yeah another tissue so i clean off my glasses real quick yeah because we know how i like to sorry <laughs> stuff my bra i think it's ridiculous the other day i had a session everything was like just a couple of days ago i was telling somebody about getting home mm-hmm. you know unloading my bra from being here and then i finished the session and lo and behold i don't know what i was doing that whole session stuffing my bra with kleenex are you serious yeah it was ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm ready now. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. This is, I don't even want to title it yet. I'm just going to tell you the story. Okay. But it's got lots of twists and turns. The mastermind behind this story doesn't just take the physical life of somebody, but the lives of many innocent people too. It's fucked up. It's really really fucked up. She's so messed up. Anyway, oh, I shouldn't have said she. I just gave it away. Okay, so in 2011, there was this woman named Betsy Fiera. I know it's weird that it's Faria. Faria, is that what we said? Yeah, it looks like Faria. But they all say, what'd you call her? Faria? Faria. I think it's the way I talk. (laughs) Okay, because I, my kids make fun of me all the time. Last (laughs) night I had a... Texas accent. They made fun of me. I didn't even realize I did it. Anyway, so this woman, Betsy, is fighting cancer. She's very well liked amongst her community. She's her family and friends talk so sweetly about her. Like she's the most giving person. She'll do anything for you. Um, she's married to a man named Russell, and she has two daughters, age 21 and 17. From a previous relationship. Her and Russell have been married about 12 years. Anyway, her family and friends, like I said, describe her as being amazing and always there for everyone. Um, Even while she's being diagnosed, like she has this cancer diagnosis, she's still doing things for other people with cancer. It's just crazy. I'll probably mention that again. Anyway, yeah, I will. (laughs) So her family was pretty well known in the town that they lived in and the high school that she went to she had a lot of friends i think she was on the softball team blah 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 she took those friends into her adulthood so high school into adulthood she was still friends with many of her high school friends like she's just that good a person that she just doesn't lose touch with her good friends Mm -hmm. anyway this one friend of hers susan betsy introduced her to her husband and even DJed at their wedding. 
she is a DJ. <laughs> She's not by, she has a DJ company, I guess. So she'll do like little DJ parties. This just shows like she's super outgoing. She like is the one when she does DJ, she gets like everybody out on the floor. Right. And so if you saw her, you'd be like, she's a DJ, but she's just super cute. Um, but her real profession, she, uh, so what she did do was she sold insurance for State Farm. Mm-hmm. And that, that was her real profession. And then I guess her side gig was the DJ company. In early 2010, not long after she married Russ, they were both settled in their careers. They decided it was time to move into a new house. They're like, oh my God, things are going so great. We're going to move into a new house. So that following January, before they move into their house, they haven't yet moved, she gets a diagnosis with breast cancer. Mm. Yeah, because so she had so many friends and family supporting her, it made her like a, a good fighter for breast cancer. So she, they went, took her to her chemo par- appointments. She just really fought. Okay. And so finally, um, in March 2011, like she was getting, she was going through remission. Mm-hmm. Like she was getting a good. You're doing okay. It's it's looking good. In March of 2011, they moved into their new house in a small town called Troy, Missouri. Everything seemed to be looking up. She continued to do her treatments and go to her doctor appointments. She even planned a a celebration of life where they were going to go on a cruise Mm -hmm. and um, all her friends. Uh, But then uh, she went in for a checkup and got devastating news that her cancer had come back. So her, Mm. her remission was so short lived oh god i mean it was not even time to celebrate she didn't even get to celebrate and then it came back and it was now in her liver and once it's in your liver mm-hmm. so they're like you don't have a whole lot of time mm-hmm. like go live it up so they did go ahead and go on this celebration of life cruise and there's really cute pictures of her and her husband and stuff on the cruise And she always wanted to swim with dolphins, so she did that. Like, she got to do all the things. She was checking off her bucket list. She's really enjoying life. She she didn't want people to dwell on the fact that she's dying, basically. Mm. She just wanted... It's like she was trying to make everybody feel better about it. Because she's that kind of person. I get that, because I'm going through something similar with somebody I love. That's that that kind of a person. Like, doesn't want everybody to disrupt their lives. Right. So... Yeah. I yeah. get that. I mean, I mean, that's how my sister was. Like, she wouldn't even, I would, like, she never even called me. Right. To go and help her. And I just, I don't know. She was like, I just didn't want to be an inconvenience. Like, you're, you're going through <laughs> I chemo. Know. It's like, you're not. Chemo being... radiation. Like, you should be calling all of us. That's where I'm like, a meal train is a great thing to do for somebody like that. Anyway, so it was right before Christmas that she um, wanted just to make celebrate with her family and make the most of Christmas and everybody be happy. And so she just made sure she had all of those close to her and she really appreciated the time that she had with everybody. And then on December 27th, two days after Christmas, Betsy was scheduled for another chemo session. Well... Russ, her husband, just like every Tuesday, had dinner with his mom, and then he was scheduled to have dinner with his mom. Uh, Then he goes to his friend's house, and he plays these role-playing games. I don't know exactly what they were, but they they 
called them role-playing games. And this was all perfectly normal and part of his routine. So the night before, Betsy stayed. So on the 26th, she stayed the night at her mom's house. I don't I keep hitting this damn I thing. I put it too close. <laughs> anyway, and Russ, so Betsy's mom was going to take her to her chemo appointment on the 27th. She okay. stays the night there. Russ is going to pick her up the next day after, okay. or the next night after the chemo appointment, after he got done with his game night, dinner and game night. And instead, Betsy ended up contacting Russ and letting him know. So at the last minute, this coworker slash friend. So she had this friend named Pam. Okay. Who they were friends. And then they um, they actually worked together at State Farm. And they were, they were pretty close friends. And mm-hmm. then um, I think once Pam stopped working at State Farm... They just kind of drifted apart. I mean, it's not like they, I don't think anything happened. And Pam wasn't at the celebration of life. I don't know why. But as soon as she got sick, as soon as, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Anyway, as soon as Betsy got sick, she um, all of a sudden is swooping in and the best friend in the world. She's Mm. like... Wants to be there for her, take her to chemo appointments and whatever. But the weird thing about this was, Betsy already had everything planned out. Her mom's taking her to the chemo appointment. Russ is going to pick her up. Like, Pam isn't in the picture for this day. Right. And out of nowhere, Pam literally went out of her way to pick Betsy up on this day. Hmm. To pick her up from work on, uh, from the chemo on this day. Okay. And, and I can't remember all the, like how she went out of her way. Cause it's like, she really did have to go out of her way. She went and did some odd things and it was weird. But anyway, she ends up swooping in and picking her up. So Betsy sends Russ a message. I think she texted him. Somehow she communicates with him that, Hey, don't, you don't have to come home and pick me. You don't have to pick me up from chemo pam's taking me home um oh but wait i don't have my keys with me and he's he's like i'll leave the front door unlocked for you so he works from home so at about five o'clock he's like he had some things to do so he left the house leaving the door unlocked for her and um he he first now we're gonna pay attention to this timeline there's a reason for it first he went and got gas at conoco station then he realized he was going to need a few more things for game night. And I, so this is like around five o'clock. And he, before he goes to his friend Mike's house and joins, damn, like four other people, um, he realized he needs other things. So at 5.22 p.m., he calls his mom and tells her he's not going to have time to have dinner with her. He's got to go and do these errands and then go to his friend's house. So mm. at 5.50, yeah, it's at 5.56. He stopped at a convenience store and he bought cigarettes and two snapples. I don't know why that matters. And then he ends up at another store to get some dog food. And then he finally gets to Mike's around 6 p.m. And because one of their friends couldn't make it, they decided they weren't going to do the role-playing game. So they didn't do it. But they hung out anyway and watched the movies and smoked a little ganja. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little high. And then they all departed Mike's house around 9 Everybody okay. left. Russ left on his own and driving by himself. Then he stopped at Arby's because, you know, after you get high, you get the munchies. So he stopped to grab something to eat. Mm-hmm. He then pulled 
into his driveway a little after 9.30 p.m. Um, as he entered the house, he had his bag of dog food he put down at the front door. Mm-hmm. And um, unlock, or, yeah, unlock the door, walks in, and looking for his wife, you know, like, hey, Betsy, I'm home. And she is on the floor. What? Bloody, this is what he walks into. Dead on oh the floor. So he's... Obviously, you don't expect to see your wife dead on the floor. Right. He is freaking out. And he calls 911. This is the call that you hear. Right. And we can play, <laughs> we'll play it. What is the address where you need this to come? One, 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 Take a couple deep breaths for me. <laughs> Russell, how long were you gone today? Uh, I left around five. I just got back. But she was at her mom's and her friend was bringing her home, so I don't know what time she got home. <laughs> Has she been depressed lately? Okay, so then in that call, you hear him um, clearly distraught. I don't see, you can hear he's very upset. Like you can hardly make out what he's saying, right? You heard that. Yeah. Yeah. You can hardly make out what he's saying. This story stressed me out so bad and it, it was breaking my heart. Like I told Allie, I'm like, I'm glad you told me about this story, but I'm also really sad because it is breaking my heart hearing this. So he clearly, to me, sounds very distraught. Um, But what he says on the 911 call is, my wife is dead. She killed herself. My wife killed herself. I don't know if she said my wife is dead, but my wife killed herself. Huh. So. Is that what it looked like when he walked in? No. But to him, it did. We, I can't take that away from him because to him it did. Right. Because or like maybe said, that's like the frame of mind. Like, that's his brain. Where where he went. Well, yeah. and the nine one one operator says, "Why do you think she killed her? Like, why was she suicidal?" And he says, "She yes, she's tried to kill herself before, but she has cancer." And he's trying to explain, but he's like, "Oh, open out that's too. why." That explains why he yes, automatically she, went there. Right. Because okay. she. Had tried before, and mm-hmm. she actually cut her wrists. Okay. And so when right. he sees her, all he sees is the blood. Right. He's not he's not checking her out. He's panicking. And the first call that gets into 911 was at 940. Okay. So he is, I mean, it all happened really quick. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say about it. But I wouldn't have called any of that suspicious. Yeah. Except for... <laughs> When, when the paramedics get there, they see Betsy's bloody body, mm-hmm. and it's already cold. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's already gotten into rigor mortis. Yeah. And then it's, um, she, you know, the blood's already drying on her, dried in her hair and her clothes, and it's and she's already stiff. Oh, and my And it's God. just a bad, ugly sight. And detectives stated that they're, well, the detectives on their interviews and all the stuff I watch, a lot of them were like, there really wasn't. Considering the wound, mm-hmm. wounds, there wasn't a ton of blood, but I think it's because it was like underneath and probably soaked into the carpet or whatever. But anyway, <sighs> okay, you ready for this? 
She was stabbed <laughs> 55 times. What the? F- that's rage. Right? That's, that's rage. Yeah, that's hate. That's like a crime of passion or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. So she was stabbed oh my God. in her head through her skull. Like, these aren't even like, these are like hardcore stabs. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody was like, fuck Angry. you. Argh. Yeah, I don't even know if it would, to me, crime of passion, no. To me, it's like resentful. Like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Because they were, they were hard. And they also said, so listen, she had stabbed in her skull. Stabbed in her eye. Suck it. (laughs) What? Um, Stabbed in her wrist, like, to the bone. Like, it was some... I forget what part of her... Oh, my God. They stabbed so much that, like, the limb was, like, practically cut off. And then um, she had wounds in her neck. And then they left the knife in her neck. So So... the knife is still in her neck. Okay. Oh, my God. They said the ma- majority of the stab wounds were made while she was already dead. So they kill her, and then they continue kill- stabbing her. Like, that to me, that's not just a crime of passion. That to me is pure hatred mm-hmm. and resentment. Mm-hmm. So because it was clearly in the police, in the detective's eyes, a crime of passion, mm-hmm. Immediately, they have eyes on Russ. Right. They're like, first of all, you call this in as a suicide. Like, dude, how do you not see this right. isn't a suicide? Did right. you not see the knife in her neck? Right. And then um, it kind of goes all downhill from there. They're just, that's the only one they're going to look at. It's Russ. It's, it's easy. A crime of Yeah. It's a crime of passion. Okay. But this is going to piss you off. Um, they said he wasn't crying tears. Okay. I will tell you, there have been times that something has happened with me somebody died that was close to me or whatever and i'm crying but no tears are coming out it's the weirdest thing because i'm very upset but i'm no tears are coming out Mm -hmm. it's like your body is dried up and so um they said uh he wasn't crying tears he would be calm one moment and then completely freaking out the next moment that's shock Mm -hmm. um and one Okay, here you go. One investigator even asked him, why hadn't he embraced his wife's dead body? What? Yeah, what he said, why why didn't you embrace your wife's dead body and like lay on, you know, like pick her up and hold her or anything? Well, first of all, at least he was smart enough to not Not contaminate. Right. (laughs) And what a fucked up thing to say to somebody who... just lost their wife in a very violent way. If he had, he'd have blood all over him and then it would make your case a lot easier. Okay, so keep that part in mind. So the investigators note that the house shows no signs of anyone trying to cover up the crime. Because if he tried to cover it up, like, let's say he stabbed her and he was covered in blood. He would have changed his clothes, his shoes, his socks, his right. everything. He would have taken a shower to rinse it all off. He would have probably washed his hands off or something. In this, They found nothing. They did not find water in the drain. You know how they can do CSI stuff. They didn't find any evidence of anybody cleaning up he anything. He had, clearly had an alibi. He did. Um, he had all the people that he went and hung out with. Mm-hmm. He had a receipt. He had a receipt from Arby's. He had a receipt from Conoco. He had the video footage at the convenience stores and Conoco and all that. That showed where he was and at what time. Mm -hmm. His friends 
all vouched that he was with them. So he had all that. Not only that, but the video footage also shows he didn't change his clothes. He had the same clothes on that he was wearing when he called the police. Okay. Okay. So the investigators note that the house has no blah, 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 blah. They do find a pair of men's slippers thrown in the closet that have blood on them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and since they have already made their minds up about Russ, and because it only takes, it, it only makes sense to bring in the husband to question him, they do so at that time and question him for 10 hours. Oh my God. Also, they discover that Russ had zero blood, like we just discussed, and everything we just discussed, the camera, the blah, blah, blah. And with such a gruesome mur- murder, I mean, to not even have a speck of blood on him. I mean, 50 sta- stab wounds. Yeah. Not one speck of blood anywhere. That's impossible. Yeah, no. So anyway, but no, they continue to interrogate him for days. At one point, so they, I'm going to jump ahead. They had, they did a, um, they like it, it were he was up for like 36 hours. Mm-hmm. He also had marijuana in his system and they did a polygraph on him and it was a fake polygraph test, What? which they're allowed to do, but they have to inform you, I guess. What? And yeah. And they had him sign papers and stuff and whatever, but they never told him it was a fake polygraph and they, I mean, you're not going to get an accurate reading with somebody who has right. any drugs in their system. Right. And the fact that he was up for 36 hours, he was delusional, and he just lost his wife and in a strong. very violent way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but yeah, they did that, so I'll, I'll get to that again, I'm sure. But anyway, he explains to them how he was supposed to pick up Betsy that night after chemo, but instead her friend Pam Hupp brought her home. Pam Hupp is the last person to have seen Betsy alive. Let's talk about her. She's born October 10th, 1958. Um, Pam grew up in Delwood, Missouri, in a St. Louis suburb, where she attended Riverview Gardens High School. Hub held several... Okay, I need you to pay attention to her background. She held several jobs in life insurance industry. On two occasions, she was fired for forging signatures. In 2001... She and her husband settled in O'Fallon, don't know where that is, where she worked as an administrator for State Farm and flipped houses on the side. By 2010, Hupp had stopped working at State Farm and was claiming disability for back, leg, and neck pain. She said she received when she tripped and fell, hitting her head on a filing cabinet. <laughs> so, okay. she's like, I mean... Her- Permanent disability for it tripping could happen. and falling. Yes, but just keep listening to her character and you're okay. going to be like, okay, bitch, you're a liar. But whatever. Okay. So anyway, um, also when she was working at State Farm. So remember, she's now working at, at in 2010, she's working at State Farm with Betsy. Okay. And I believe that when she went on disability is when they, they kind of like weren't talking as much anymore but anyway um she said when she was working at state farm she was telling everybody that she had this secret job with the cia or something so she had this (laughs) yeah she had this special security high security clearance and she didn't like overly talk about it so they some of them kind of like 
Whatever. Maybe who, she's telling the who truth. Who talks about their secret yeah. job <laughs> with the CIA? With the CIA. Right. Um, and she had a gift, <laughs> I guess. You know, people who have a gift gab, the big liars, mm-hmm. they like to gab a lot, but um, they're the ones that like, I can't say this because I will talk and talk and sometimes I'm like, okay, I, I'm telling the truth, but it sounds like I'm lying because I'm talking so much. Right. <laughs> But there are people where their stories are so elaborate, mm-hmm. they're probably lying. Mm-hmm. That's that's her. She right. la- has this gift of gab, and her stories are elaborate. And, I mean, you can't keep track of lies. You can keep track of the truth. Right. You can't keep track of lies. Anyway, at this time, so the cars in the parking lot at State Farm during this time that she worked there, they were mysteriously getting keyed. Mm. Weird, right? Mm-hmm. But... What's more weird is the cars in the neighborhood in Pam's pretty safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like it was a pretty nice neighborhood. Those were also getting keyed. Interesting. I know. What makes it really weird is um, her neighbors started getting these weird kind of aggressive anonymous letters sent to them. What? Yeah. And they were so weird that the neighbors were like, what the fuck is that? And just kind of tossing them away. Uh-huh. But they were weird. Like, why are you doing like this? Like threatening? Doing, yeah. Or? Kind of, yeah, like threatening letters. But I don't know what they were about. Nobody ever said what they were actually about. Huh. And no, I guess nobody cared enough. Nobody went to the police? I or don't, they just didn't? They didn't care enough. I mean, I think it's things that were spoken about, but it doesn't sound like anybody did anything about it. It was just kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like, who's fucking with us? Right. Probably some stupid kids or whatever, you know? Probably same kids that are keying our cars. And so, okay, with all of that, it gets more weird. The (laughs) The day before Betsy was murdered, Pam, and I don't know if this was under invitation, I think it was like a surprise, went to... The tennis club where Betsy was playing tennis. And Mm -hmm. afterwards, they went to a local library and they had the librarian witness a change of beneficiary on Betsy's life insurance policy. Who's they? Pam and Betsy. Both went. Went to the library to have the librarian witness the change of beneficiary. Guess who the change went to? It went from Russ, her husband... That's bizarre. Why would she do that? To Pam. Well, that's the big question. Why? Because, well, according to Pam, uh huh. According to Pam. That's so weird. Pam said it's because Betsy didn't trust Russ to be responsible with the money. And the girls, well, they're too young to be responsible mm-hmm. with that kind of money. It's a $150,000 life insurance policy. Right. And so, she, mind you, Let's go back to the beginning. So she trusted the secret this CIA person, yeah, lady. That she's lost touch with and then all of a sudden is back in touch with. Let's go back to the beginning where she had Susan, her lifelong friend, mm-hmm. right? She had another friend named Rita, a mm-hmm. lifelong friend. Mm-hmm. She has three sisters, I believe. She has her mother, her father. She has a loving family and tons of but friends. But she chooses this But she random... chooses Pam? Right. That sounds fishy, right? Super. But she did do it. She did do it. Okay. But she also, it was said that she told Pam that um, it's something, you know, when I die, because obviously she's dying, cancer, mm-hmm. um, she wants, like, 
I need you to put this, you know, make sure my girls get this money. Right. Okay. So let's just remember that. Okay. That's um, really bizarre. All right. Well, it gets even more bizarre. Like I said, it's a crazy story. Yeah. So for reasons unknown, I already said that. She didn't go to her Celebration of Life cruise. Betsy and Pam were also raising money. Okay. So Betsy and Pam were also like doing door-to-door kind of things and raising money for other cancer patients and their families. Okay. And I mean, Betsy is a woman dying of cancer who is very loving and giving. So she would not think, you know, when you're a good person, you think everybody's good. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure she would not ever think that that money is not going to go where she thinks it's going. Right. right? But it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pam's in charge of it. So that means that none of those people ever saw the money and never reached them. So now you would think... Who would be number one in the suspect murder list? Pam. You would think, right? Right. No. <laughs> she was brought in for questioning, though, mm-hmm. and had basically had detectives eating out of the palm of her hand. They were complimenting on what a great friend she is and how kind she is. And there was even a point where um, they, they had her husband in and was questioning him. And she took over the the answering, mm-hmm. oh. and they allowed it. Okay. Like, they never were like, like, well, first of all, why are you questioning them together? Uh-huh. And then why are you letting her answer for him? That's weird. Nobody would do that. Like, a good detective would never allow that. But they did. They allowed her to just pretty much control the whole thing. And, um, and then her, um, when they were interviewing her, uh, she said she picked up. Betsy from chemo. They got home. She, uh, no, you know, the front door was open. The lights were off. She noticed uh, Maxima. Oh, no, wait. Maybe it was a Ford Explorer or something. And then she, you know, said goodnight to Betsy. And then she was at question about it again. And her story was completely different. It was well, I went in the house and she laid, I, I covered her up with a blanket on the couch and then I left. And then it was, um, I, t- I tucked her into her bed and then, so now you went from being at the front door. First, you said you never went in the house. You went from being at the front door to being in the living room okay. to being in her bedroom. So they didn't get suspicious? Nope. Because the story keeps changing? Her story changes about everything. Oh, my and God. And never do they say, and that's your first, that, as an investigator, as a de- your, your detective, when you're questioning somebody, the reason you're asking them so many questions and over and over is because you're looking for them to change their story. If you tell the truth, your story doesn't change. Right. Her story about a lot of things continuously change, even about the money. Why Why would she give you the money? Because she wanted me to make sure, because I, I would make sure the girls get it. And then that why changed. Why wouldn't Russ? <laughs> right. Well, he's well we, don't know we don't know there. Oh, that. she told the police that um, Russ was violent and me- she controlled the whole narrative here. She basically is the reason Russ stayed on the radar. Okay. Because she made sure they knew Russ is abusive. He yells at the girls and her all the time. Even the dog, he is violent. Did they ever interview her real best friend? It doesn't sound like it. Like people no. that actually know him? No, it doesn't like sound that. like it. Come on. No. 
No, because it was a very twisted. Because they had their they had their guy. Yes. And that's it. And they were going to work the story yes. around that. Yeah, and she helped them. She helped them do that. So she, her story continues changed continuously changed about things. Um uh okay, so they actually present her with a polygraph too though. But she can't a fake one? Yeah. No, I don't know. She actually has a Dr. Fisher handwrite a note saying she can't take it because she had a head injury. And um so she didn't have to take it. And so she had a doctor excuse. Mm-hmm. And when um the doctor was asked about this, he said, I did write the note. But I didn't know of any medical condition that she had. Why would you write the note? Why did you write the note? And he said, because she asked me to. Huh? So stupid. How does this woman, I don't get it. Oh my gosh. All these people just, I don't get it. Anyway, so basically because police believe her. um, Oh, because the police believe they have the real killer already and her husband. They never seriously look or consider Pam. They even gave Russ a polygraph, which I told you about. Mm -hmm. Um, The day after his wife is murdered, Russ was arrested for the murder of his wife. At the trial, it gets worse. Wow. The judge would not allow certain things to be presented, like the life insurance policy being changed to Pam. She was like, no, the jury's not going to hear that. So she made... The judge made the jury leave while that was being presented. So the jury never heard about that. They never heard about her getting a $150,000 payout for her friend dying, basically. And the agreement was supposedly to make sure her girls get it or however and blah, blah, blah. No money was ever turned over to the girls. The jury for Russ's trial never saw anything that had to do with implicating anybody else. It was... The prosecution, this woman, the state had this woman, Leah Ashy or Askey, Askey. Anyway, and she manipulated it too because it was, he's our guy. Okay. And so she, um, she even, and I might repeat this, but she even, his stepdaughters, so, so Betsy's daughters, they later did an interview as adults and they said, we had to testify against him because Leah told us mm-hmm. if we don't, it was going to be really, really bad for us. What? She threatened witnesses that if they did not go against him, they would, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, how how could it be bad? Like, you're a witness. Like, what what would be the repercussions? I don't know. But look at the, the four friends uh-huh. that he was with. Uh-huh. They, she also... Oh, probably because they were smoking marijuana. Well, she also tried to implicate them uh-huh. by telling them, well, you must have helped him do it. Okay. Because, you know, they have all this proof that he was not there. So she took that narrative to fit that he did it. See, so she said... That's why, like, I have a hard time with the justice is blind yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. The justice system. Yeah. Because there's really no justice... There's a, a lot, lot of, of innocent time. people yeah. out there that shouldn't be in jail. She she said, one of you probably kept it because his phone pinged at his friend's house. So, mm-hmm. so you kept his phone at your house 
well, this guy went and got this. Well, there's video footage of him doing a lot of stuff. So mm. how do you explain that? But, right. Okay. So you had the receipt to give to him. Well, then, while he's doing this, then this is happening. And while all of you are playing monkey see, monkey do, he's killing his wife. Right. And so you're all doing... So then uh, his attorney said, if they truly believed they were a part of it, then why aren't they arresting them? Exactly. So they... Yeah, he was pissed. I loved his attorney, though. He was really actually good. Anyway, so... Does he get convicted? I think just, 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 just okay. stick in there. Hang on, because I need you to suffer like I did. Okay. <laughs> She's like, suffer. Just sit there and suffer. So, yeah. Okay, so, um, so also, the girls, in, um, in between all of this stuff, the girls took Pam to court to, to trial for the insurance money. Right. And, um... In that trial, she even messes up all, everything. She says, so at one point, she, she during deposition or something, she states that her attorneys tell her that before the trial, you need to put that money in a trust for those girls. Mm-hmm. And she did. The mm-hmm. day before, she put it in there, and then she took it right back out. Wow. And she got rid of it. But um, when, she, when she was confronted with that by the civil attorney for the girls she denied she says "Ah, i was joking about that like my attorneys would never tell me to do that i was joking but she really did say that and there's you can there's video of her saying that about that yeah because she's a liar like that's not even funny (laughs) why would that okay do you know what a joke is no we were joking i was being sarcastic no because you did put that money in there you took it out so where's the money because she doesn't have it anymore she spent it she says and she bought a house and she paid cash for it but i thought that money was for the girls her words are well the truth is betsy told me she wanted me to have that money Mm-mm. because she loved me so much and mm-hmm. she wanted to see me happy. And she gave it to me because she wanted to see me happy. And they're like, well, that yeah. doesn't make any sense yeah. that she, she doesn't want to see her girls taken care of, but she wants to see you. So during that part, she had also said something about um, Betsy uh, kind of looked at me like I was wealthy and, you know, like what? And then he said, so are you, so you, you told us that like Betsy kind of had money troubles. Like she was struggling and she's like, no, I wouldn't say that. And, it, and I think like prior to the murder, she had, Betsy had actually filed for food stamps. And so, yeah, she's struggling and yeah, she wants her family to be okay when she dies. But no, she was fine. And no, I mean, she would want me to be okay. What? <laughs> Over her own daughters? Yeah. And when she was in wow. um, interrogation, she had told them, if I, why would I kill somebody who could fight back? I mean, if I, I my mom has a 500000 a half million dollar policy. And if I, if I really wanted to kill somebody for money, I, it, I could take my mom out. Like, why would I? do that it doesn't make any sense I was her mom I'd 
Well, don't forget I said that. Be- yeah. Oh. So, she also said that Betsy was in love with her and that they had a sexual relationship. Oh, my God. And she didn't want to have a sexual relationship, but it wasn't a big deal to her. She just wanted to make Betsy happy, so huh? it was fine. But she was just Betsy's friend. But Betsy was in love with her. So now I'm starting to see, like, when she's saying things, it's really, like, she was in love with Betsy. Betsy was probably freaked out by her and, like, nope, get the fuck away from me. I don't swing that way. And she's, like, it sounds like she, and by stabbing her 55 times, you know. But anyway. What the fuck? Meanwhile... (laughs) Russ has been convicted, Uh, and even by the testimony of his stepdaughters, who put the nail in the coffin, um, he was sentenced for the murder of his wife, Prosecutor Leah Askey, and the judge, and the police, all had it out for Russ, to the point where, like I said, Leah intimidated Betsy's daughters to testify in what? Oh, okay. She testified, she made the daughters testify against him? Okay. Yeah. Um, the police ignored evidence and the judge wouldn't allow the defense to present anything that questioned the guilt of Russ and placed it on someone else. The state even went as Isn't far... Isn't that the point of mounting the defense? Yes. A defense? Yeah. What? Reasonable doubt? Come on. The state... It was a frame job by Everybody's culpable Everybody. here. Yeah. The police, the judge, the whole justice system framed one guy. This, and and Pam, they actually helped her. Right. <laughs> so the state even went as far as saying the four friends, like I told you, um, helped Russ murder his wife. Then after a change in authority and with the help of the Innocence Project, who, by the way, amazing. Yeah. Russ was given another trial, which has only happened three other times in Missouri. New judge. New judge. So his was the fourth time that a new trial in this kind of a case would happen mm-hmm. where he'd get new, pretty much a new everything. Wow. And the judge is the one that's, he, no jury, He I forget what they call that, where the judge is the one that's deciding. Mm-hmm. So he served over three years of his sentence. So he, he's, he, he lost. Three he years lost, of his life. He loses his wife. He loses his whole family. Right. All his in-laws that loved him until this, because they thought he murdered her. Right. And then, um, and his girls, and then he lost three years, over three years of his life in prison. And now he has this, like, stamp on him that's, how do you shake that? Right. So, anyway, he got this new trial, and he was, with real evidence, and he was set free. But the damage was already done. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. But... Did they go after Pam? No. 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 Was she implicated, though? No. Not in here. the no. new... Not right here. No. Okay. No. 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 Okay. So, that all okay. happened. So, now what? 2011, 12, 13, 14. We're, we're like, we're way over there. But, 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 hold on. Now, Pam, while being interrogated during the Betsy murder trial, I already told you, she was talking about her mom, mm-hmm. right? Four months after that conversation with the police... Oh, my God. <laughs> After that interview, Shirley Newman, Hupp's mom, was found dead outside of her apartment. She was 77 years old. It was Halloween, and she she fell off 
a third story balcony through metal railings. So you know how they have on a balcony, you have mm-hmm. the, like what you have outside. Right. Um, those were dislodged, but not the top and the bottom railing part, mm-hmm. only the little, the vertical ones. Okay. Right? Vertical or something. Yeah. Okay. So the top and the bottom railings were still intact, but but did the police go like, that's so weird. It looks like somebody kicked that out. And then, like, they had to push the old lady off of here. Like, how did how did she end up down there? No. No. They didn't. They just were like, 77. She, she's clumsy. I guess somehow she, like, crunched down and fell over. And, like, there's, it's so weird as okay. shit. Anyway, uh, police said Hup had to take her. Okay, so here's, here's this. <clears throat> they said her mom... Had to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Hup, of course, because she's so sweet. She mm-hmm. loves taking sick people to doctor appointments. Right. She took her mom to the doctor. At 8 p.m., she brought her mom back. She told the staff, quote, if Shirley does not show up for breakfast in the morning, notify the family. Like, let us know if she doesn't show up for breakfast. Why are you going to say that? Exactly. Is that weird? Well, Shirley didn't show up for breakfast, and she didn't show up for lunch. So, at... Uh, 2.30 in the afternoon, one of the housekeepers of this retirement community that she lived in, it looked like, it's really nice, doesn't look like a retirement community, found her outside on the lawn dead. She had eight times the amount of Ambien, Ambien in her system than normal. Wow. Eight times. When Chris Hayes, the news guy, that had done like a whole series, like from he was there from the very first part of this story to the very end, and really? he had done tons of segments on these. And um, as a matter of fact, she even went into an interview later, and she said, "Is this going to be on TV? Because Chris Hayes is the reason I'm in here. Chris Hayes is the reason any attention is on me because he he did not let up on that woman, right?" It's pretty amazing. Yeah. If you get a chance to get on YouTube, this is worth watching this stuff. It's just it. crazy. Anyway, um, Chris Hayes, the newsman from Fox, interviewed Hup. He went to her door and he's expecting her to slam the door on his face. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She what? wanted to talk. She, he said, so, so how did your mom end up dying? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, why are you at, what? Uh, 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 uh. I don't know. Uh, the, the people at her, at the home said she, she overdosed or something. Okay. You don't know how your own mother died. That's weird. The mother that you love so much that if you weren't going to kill somebody, it would have been her for her $500,000 policy, <laughs> <laughs> which by the way, she didn't have a $500,000 policy, but anyway, so I guess she kind of fucked herself cause it wasn't that much. The prosecutor and Hup. Okay, so there is video of, like, in an interrogation room. She's talking to the prosecutor, and they're, like, chumming it up. Mm-hmm. And they're bonding over the media coverage and the trial yes. and even speak of Hup's mother, where she says how, um, how would I throw a 220-pound woman over the rails? Like, the prosecutor? Yeah. She's talking to the pro- the woman that prosecuted Russ. Oh, okay. They're chumming it up. Oh, okay. And she's like, how would I even throw a woman of 220 pounds? So these guys, I think it was this Chris Hayes guy. They do 
a whole segment. My mouth is dry. Hold on. They do a whole segment. They talk to this old detective guy, this retired guy. And he is like, there is no way. These railings were kicked out. And he's like, there's no, because the top and the bottom rail are still intact. That doesn't even make sense. Also, it would take a lot of pressure for somebody to be, to knock those railings out. So they did. They set up an exact replica Mm -hmm. And they used certain amount of pressure to try and see if they could replicate. Like, how would that happen? Like, would it be easy? Would it be hard? Like, debunk it? No, they even did to where it was like 500 pounds. Right. And I think it did finally break it, but you could see that it bent like the bottom thing and it didn't show the same pattern. Then they kicked out the railings. It was the exact pattern. Wow. Wow. Of what those railings look like, yeah, at the mom's place. Hmm. Insane. But again, whatever. I guess it just happened. So anyway, now we are, uh, what, August 16th, 2016? There's this 911 call is placed. And it's coming from Pam Hupp's house. 911, where's your emergency? Hey, hello, there's someone broken in my house. Help! What's Help. the address you're at? No, no. Well, can you get here while we get your wife? No, I'm not getting in the car with you. No, get what's away. the address? Get out, get out, get out. Is he still, as far as you know, is he still in your room? No, he's in the hallway. 
He's in the hallway. Is he moving? Is he hallway? <coughs> no, he's not moving. Not moving? Oh, hurry! Ma'am, we already have help on the way. Just stay on the line with me. Is the garage door open? Yes, everything's open. I was leaving out of my car. Okay, so this one is... So fake. So fake. <laughs> help! I need help! Like, it's so fake. It sounds, like, totally scripted. <laughs> Completely scripted. And the banging, this... That, oh, no, no, it's just me. Um, That is what you hear. Um, That's actually... Okay, so, it's this man, Louis Grump, Grumpenberger... He was a resident of St. Charles, Missouri, and he was actually mentally and physically impaired due from a car accident that he had in 2005. So this car accident really messed him up. So he had the mentality of a 12-year-old. And so uh, on August 16th, Rumpenberger (laughs) died after Hupp shot him five times times in her home in O'Fallon trying to claim self-defense. Okay, let me tell you how she set him up. Ready? And why? Well, let me tell you this. Did he have a life insurance policy? He did not. Okay. He was a stranger to her. A note was found on his body bearing instructions to kidnap Hup, get Russ's money from Hup at her bank and kill Hup and to take Hup back to the house and get rid of her. Make it look like Russ's wife. Um, make sure knife is sticking out of neck. This is all handwritten on a note. What the fuck? In return for a reward of $10,000. Um, as Hub called 911 shortly before the shooting, the audio of the incident was recorded. I don't know what that meant. Anyway, okay. So basically there's this note. It's in a plastic bag along with, I think it was like $900. And in a Ziploc bag and tucked into his clothing, his shirt or whatever, a pocket. And um, so let me, this is exactly what happened. She drove around looking for a Patsy. Mm-hmm. First, mm-hmm. she ended up, let me just get to the, um, she but first. What for? Oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what for. She first ended up, what was this woman's name? She first ended up at, uh, I I might say it again later. I don't know. I want to say her name was Jennifer or something like that. She ended up at this woman's house. <clears throat> and um, I think this is where I couldn't type anymore. So I was handwriting stuff. But I don't think I wrote down the woman's name. Anyway, she ended up at this. She's driving around. And this woman's standing outside smoking and holding her dog. Right. She turns around and she's like, hey, um, calls her down to her car well the, thank goodness this woman has cameras mm-hmm. and she's telling the woman i work i'm with dateline and i'm we're doing a segment and we'll pay you like nine hundred dollars to come and do this segment if you come with me so the woman's like well hell, okay so but thank god she wasn't that dumb and gullible she she explains and when she's telling the story she's like i had a knife up my sleeve and one in my pocket. I don't know this person. Right. I'm getting in a stranger's car. What am I thinking? She had no shoes on. So she gets in the car. They start driving. They get to 
And and she's telling her what they're going to do. And she, this woman's like, this does not feel right. Right. Like, none of this is right. I don't know what this woman's up to, but I don't like it. So they get to, a, like, a stop sign. And she says, you know what? I have to put my husband's dog inside. I have to lock the doors. I have no shoes on. Can we go back? I'm going to go get some shoes on and make sure the dog's safe. So, okay, they come back. She pulls in. And when she pulls in, they get a perfect uh, snap of her... Um, of the license plate on the car. So that was like such clever thinking. Right. I don't know if the girl was really thinking that way, but because she had those cameras. Well, then Pam. Did she get back in the car with No. Her? Oh, Pam okay. notices the cameras and says, oh, you have you have video cameras? And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she, she, she says, listen, you know what? I'm not going to come with you. I think it's uh, kind of fucked up. Like, <laughs> she's like, I got a knife with me. Because I don't know who you are. I have one in my pocket, one up my sleeve, and this is fucked up. So, right. bye-bye. So, Pam goes on her way. Good. Smart. Yeah, but this is when then she finds this poor guy who's <sighs> got a mentality of a 12-year-old. Right. And I believe he has a baby, too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, he was in the car crash in 2005, okay. so he wasn't always like this. He's a good-looking guy. I mean, he's not ugly and... <laughs> Like it he, matters. It wouldn't matter, but I'm saying like he's a good looking guy. He had a normal life at one point and now right. he's the mentality of a twelve year old. Right. He gets taken advantage by this psycho bitch and now he's wow. dead. So his family, his kid or kids are suffering because they don't have their dad because of this psycho bitch. And he was just a good looking, nice, sweet guy. Right. You know? Anyway, and she's trying to frame him. So this is where my mouth is so dry. This is where she calls 911. She puts all the stuff together. Oh, my God. Intruder, intruder. Fake, mm-hmm. fake, fake. Get bullshit. out. Get out. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, immediately after the shooting, Hupp voluntarily went to the police department. Okay. Her first words in the recorded interview were, is this going to be filmed? Mm-hmm. Because I always appear with Chris Hayes. She went on to say she blamed Hayes reporting for the uh, attracting threatening people. She blamed Hayes and she said, she actually said in the interview room for all the attention and then she needed to distract the attention away from her. Like, this is why she did this is because she wanted to distract the attention away from her. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she was framing whoever she could pick up off the street, Mm -hmm. which happened to be this guy. And he's the new home invasion guy. And yeah, because she was trying to divert her brain, which what did you dumbass? You just brought the attention to yourself. Exactly. And so, um, Hupp claimed that Grumpenberger armed with a knife had jumped out of the car, driven by another person into the driveway, accosted her while she was sat in her sports utility vehicle in her garage and demanded she, demanded she drive to a bank to retrieve Russ's money. Hupp claimed uh, that she had knocked the knife out of his hand and then fled into her house, shooting Grumpenberger in self-defense with a Ruger LCR. I don't know. She kept on her nightstand after he pursued her. Pursue, pursued her. God. I am terrible tonight. Anyway, they all knew it was bullshit. So they know this is bullshit, but all that evidence against her with Betsy, they couldn't fucking figure out. Exactly. So ridiculous. 
Anyway, in the 911 call that we play, obviously, that banging that you hear is that poor guy banging on the door and he, the, the mumbling sound you can't make out. It's actually him saying, like, he's confused. He doesn't, like, what are you freaking out about? Like, yeah. aren't you going to take me home? You said you were going to take me home. Oh, my God. Poor and then guy. she's saying, I'm not getting in that car with you. Well, he, all he's saying is like, wait. Like, crazy lady, please take me home. Yeah. And then she's saying that, and then they cut it off before you hear her shoot him five times and kill him. So, um... Fucking Chris Hayes. Yeah. It's all his fault. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the police department's fault or the judge or the prosecutor who, had they done their job to begin with, they could have saved the lives of two people. Or least of all hers. Hmm. Cell phone records showed that Hupp had been in Grumpenberger's neighborhood less than one hour before the shooting, con- contradicting her claim that he had she had never met him before. On August 10, 2016, a police report had been filed with the St. Charles Police Department stating that a woman matching Hupp's description had approached O'Fallon resident Carol Alford? Wait, no, that's what? Oh, okay. Um, posing as a dateline. Oh, that was Carol. Okay, that's her name, Carol Alford. Okay. Um, posing as a dateline NBC producer and offering her a thousand dollars to reenact the nine one one call. Security footage showed that the woman in question had been driving Hup's car. A second witness, Brent. Oh yeah, this she appro- approached another guy, Brent Charlton. So it was in- the woman. So, yeah, Carol, she approached, and Brent Charlton, and and he informed the police that Hupp had approached him with a similar proposition. Mm -hmm. So the only reason, okay, so a CSI investigator was taking their pictures of the money and had noticed that, you know, um, the $100 bills all had the same sequence. Mm -hmm. And also, there was a $100 bill in her drawer that matched the sequence numbers that were in his clothes. And they're like, that would never happen. Like, you wouldn't have a dollar that has the same sequence of numbers that my dollar bill would have. It just wouldn't happen unless we had the same stack and I gave you one and me one. Right. So they're like, that was like the most hardcore evidence that she framed. She did this whole mastermind. It was all bullshit. It wasn't self-defense. So they arrested her on the spot. Which was pointless. Like, it was pointless. Mm -hmm. Well, because of this arrest, though... um, Well, let me tell you. The investigators also found the knife, a knife that had been purchased at the Dollar Tree. And then it also had... Yeah. So now they're, like, starting to think, though. And now this is, like, years after... What is this? Six... Five or six years after Betsy Mm -hmm. was killed? Mm -hmm. So now they're, like, starting to think, oh... Damn. Oops. And there's new people like in charge too. So, um, but Betsy, but there, she had knives from the Dollar Tree. She had the pens and, and the paper and all of that was bought at the Dollar Tree. So now they're like, yeah, you fucking whore. You, and there was a swatch of carpet that was found by police appeared to have been positioned to protect a rug in Hupp's home from his bloody his mess. Blood. Mm-hmm. So police investigators were, um, oh no, that doesn't mean, okay. So on August 23rd, Hupp was arrested and charged with 
first-degree murder and armed criminal action. Upon being arrested, she asked to visit the bathroom, where in the interrogation room, they left her alone. And there was a pen pen on the table. Mm -hmm. And she knows there's a camera in there. So she thinks she's being sly, and she kind of slides the pen with her water bottle. Mm -hmm. And then she tucks it behind in her pants, like behind her. And then they allow her to go use the bathroom and while while she's in there she's like feeling for the veins in her neck like so she knows where to she's gonna kill herself Mm -hmm. so she goes in the bathroom she you then hear them scream like pam 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 get an ambulance pam pam you know because right when she got in the bathroom she starts stabbing herself in the neck and in the wrist trying Mm -hmm. to kill herself so they're like um yeah that's not guilt right so um so in her mug shots you see like these giant bandages on her neck from her trying to kill it didn't work didn't work bitch um anyway so now assistant prosecutor phil growing wedge (laughs) growing a wedge (laughs) I don't know. You know I'm terrible at print. I don't know. Describe the acts of the conscious uh, as a consciousness of guilt. Bail was set at two million dollars on December sixteenth. The grand jury indicted Hup on the charges. Hup appeared in court on January thirty first. Now they all were saying throughout all the news conferences and everything, this woman is never going to admit her guilt. She will never say, I did this. Anyway, she did an Alford guilty plea. So that means she never had to admit guilt, Mm -hmm. but she did get a life sentence. So, but she still never had to, and then there's phone calls that Mm -hmm. they have. You can also listen to those between her and her husband. Mm -hmm. And she say, she's all proud of herself. Like, yep. No way I was, they were waiting. They wanted me to say I'm guilty. I'm not giving them that satisfaction. Super proud, cocky bitch. <sighs> anyway, as a contention of condition of her plea agreement, um, she doesn't face the death penalty. She was sentenced to life without parole um, in August 2019. She's serving a sentence. Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now let me jump to this part. So she's in there for life. Well, oh my God, (laughs) I told you, I told you in September, 2020, Hupp's husband, Mark Hupp filed for divorce, describing their marriage as irretrievably broken. Mm -hmm. That same month, Hupp filed for a motion to vacate her conviction, claiming she was pressured to take a plea. It was denied the following March as untimely. Okay, now, let me just tell you what has happened. Okay. Because this is all recent. They didn't even have all this. On July 12th, 2021. What? They filed charges against Pam Hupp and also against the prosecutors, the police, everybody involved. Um, they filed charges against all of them in the murder of Betsy. And the mishandling and all of that, all the mm. bullshit. So she's got now the murder charges, murder charges on Betsy, and they're all going 
down for their fucking frame job, basically. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They're so all going to have to answer. Is this like a civil suit or is it a... Um, it is the new attorney general or whatever that's there now. Oh, okay. He's like, mm-mm, fuck that. This is... We don't do this. Right. And so he's like, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, and bitch, you're going down. So they're actually going for the death penalty for her now. Oh, good. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. And as for Leah Askey, they're actually going after her for intimidating witnesses while in court, too. And as for Russ, he received a $2 million settlement, which I don't even think that's enough, and is now in a happy relationship with Carol. Really? Yes. They just like... um. I think they start a conversation by just kind of, she was like, I'm sorry for your loss. I felt terrible. And they just kind of bonded. And Hmm. now they're in a relationship. So that they, they believe that it was divine intervention. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of cute. So he kind of had a happy ending. He he does. It's kind of sweet. Sad but happy. I mean, he still doesn't have his, his stepdaughters in his life, I don't think. And and he lost his in-laws, and it sounded like he had a really close relationship with them at once. But how do you trust people who didn't trust Have your you? Back. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think I got it all. Her evidence and testimony and nail car. Okay, that's it. Oh, and so as of right now, I don't think that she has had her, Pam Hupp has had her, you know, final trial, but they are going for the death penalty. So they just brought the charges last month. Yeah, so. yeah but it sounds like they're like... Moving Let's get it this forward. done. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Good. We'll have to keep an yeah. eye on that. Yeah. So that's why. So I got my information, by the way, from that crime watch. Mm-hmm. I got it from a whole bunch. And from that, um, oh, shoot. Oh, Kendall Ray, YouTube. Mm-hmm. A little bit of from her. And then the other, uh, that Chris Hayes, Hayes. watching him. Um, oh, and a little teeny tiny the very end was the wikipedia stuff but just a blurb anyway um they dateline said that so you know how dateline does the reenactments they actually were going to do like a like a mini series mm-hmm. and they were using Renee Zellweger oh wow. as Pam mm-hmm. and i was looking everywhere for it and it's like it's not here it's not here not here and it it was supposed to be in 2019, but then I saw recent stuff saying something about February 2021. So now, after knowing this whole story, I'm thinking they didn't finish it because the story's not finished. Mm. So maybe they're waiting because they realized the story ain't done. Could be. So or anyway, be it's COVID. called The Thing About Pam. The Thing About Pam. So The Thing About Pam Dateline. A future date. At a future date, I'm assuming, because it is nowhere to be found. But it's it's spoken about, and there's trailers, but it's not around. It's she weird. sounds like a psycho. Psycho bitch. Was that a good one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I could, we could have totally uh, gone The on. whole beginning case, like, that just is fucking yeah. bananas. Right? That the everybody was in on just... Everybody. They just wanted to... The family, too, though. The family was like, it's him. Because the narrative, how many times do we watch news stories where the the police, it's the narrative, how many times have we done stories right. where like the narratives kind of start right, and then the and news 
You make the assumption makes from there. It. Yeah, and then we're like, oh, that fucking bastard. Right. <laughs> and then it turns out, oops, it wasn't them. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So. Poor guy. Yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad. But he has a kind of a happy ending now. So, and he's $2 million richer. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> so, anyway, but it, yeah, it's really. That was a good story, though. I, I like so. it. It was giving me an ulcer, but just because of all the twists and yeah. turns and watching the stuff, it's so heartbreaking when you watch her daughters talk and it just breaks your heart. Where are the daughters now? Like, do they have a relationship with him at all? No. Or nothing? Not, it's very, I think it's strange. A strange still. And, but now they said, what would we say to our mother? We would say, we are happy. See, I get tear- choked up thinking about it. They they said we're happy. We have families of our own. Oh my god! <laughs> we're happy. We have families of our own now. We're doing good, you know. So it sounds like they've made the best out of their situation too. Anyway, that's it. Oh, did you want to take a break or get right into this one? How how long? It's not very long. It's super. Look at it's probably. Look, oh it's my, my gosh! Short, oh, I can make short, it. Short, I can make shortest, it. Shortest. Let me just. Shortest story ever. Yeah, I I'm can make it. I'm not even drinking. I can't talk already. Mm-hmm. My contacts are like super dry. I know. I was watching you rub your eyes. Do yeah, you need to take just a break? Like, no, it's fine. I'm like, shorty, she can open doors. <laughs> she is strong. Yeah, she is. Oh. Okay. 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 All right, so um, we're going back to New Orleans. We've done a couple of stories in New Orleans. Ooh, yes. I uh, we like did New the LaLaurie Mansion. We did uh, the Myrtles. You did the Myrtles. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Oops. What the heck? This? this is what. Hold on. I'm sorry. This is day and night. All night long, I listen to this. Oh, poor Shadow. Yeah, all night. It sounds like a baby crying. Now she's just upset because she can't find he, me. He's he's like, oh. look at his ears. <laughs> Where is that? He's like, what the heck is that? Now she's, she, I think she's just upset because she can't find me. Get that, down. That makes me kind of sad, but she can't. She's like, where are you? Mm-mm. She has separation anxiety really bad. Plus she's kind of losing her marbles, so it's sad. <laughs> Poor Shadow. I know, I just don't know what to do. Like, is it time? I don't know. All right, go ahead. <laughs> hey, poopy. All righty. Okay, so my story is uh, about the curse of Julia Brown. Ooh. And this is kind of the turn of the century. This is, anyways, I just want to put this out there, the story that I'm going to talk about. I just want you guys to take it with a grain of salt because like so many stories through the ages of women that were also known as healers or witches, the true stories often blurred through the perceptions of the day and colored through the lens of ideology. Are you going to be burning me on a stake? No. <laughs> the lens of ideologies, religion, politics, or fear. It's still so, that way. It's still that way. It's still that way. I'm so not anyways. a witch, but I, I'm a healer. Well, and so was she. So, Julia Bernard, born around 1845, became Julia Brown when when she married Celestine Brown in 1880. They lived in the town of Frenier on the banks of the Manchac Swamp. I'm sorry. Your dog was biting me. (laughs) What? (laughs) He grabbed my hand. He's like, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." what? What year? 1880? 
get a buggy on you? Like I think that's what went up my nose. 1880. Okay, that's what I thought you said. So they lived in the town of Frenier on the banks of the Manchac Swamp uh-huh. in Louisiana on a 40-acre homestead plot that had been granted to Celestine by the government. She was a healer, Julia. According to the most stories out there, she was a voodoo priestess. Oh. However, it is much more likely that she was a type of healer known as a traitor or a folk healer. Uh-huh. I'm not picking it. I'm itching it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think the buggy went up there. All right. Go ahead. Um, but the voodoo priestess thing is what sticks uh-huh. in people's heads. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was that? Were you shaking it off? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Being that there were no doctors in Frenier, she was the only person to turn to when she, anybody was injured, ill, like having a baby because she was also... She it was like that a lot back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they had no choice because unless they wanted to go all the way to New Orleans mm-hmm. to see a doctor, they, they had to see her. Mm-hmm. So she was well known. And she was well-respected, according to a lot of the stories that are out there. During the time, the towns of Ruddock, Frenier, and Napton were prosperous settlements clustered on the edge of Lake Pontchartrain. I know I butchered that. They were sustained by the logging, logging centuries-old cypress trees and farming cabbages in the thick black soil. The railroad was the town's lifeline, bringing groceries from New Orleans and hauling hauling away the logs and cabbages as far as Chicago. And apparently, like, they had, their cabbages were superb. They had the best sauerkraut. I don't know if I mentioned this, but the town itself was, like, um, it was German. It was, Mm. it had started out as a German settlement. But all of that was taken away in an instant on September 29th. 1915, oh, and if no. legends are to be believed, Julia Brown was the reason. Oh, no. Okay, so I mentioned that she was well-respected. However, not long after Celestine dies, things begin to change. Julia felt as if the townspeople took her for granted, often giving her no choice, not asking but demanding for her services, mm. and she began to feel like a slave to the town. Mm. So... It was like they were ungrateful. They just Mm -hmm. took her for granted. Yeah. She became embittered and resentful and was said to sit on her porch, rocking back and forth, giving the evil eye to anyone that happened to pass by. Wow. She was also known to have an uncanny talent for making predictions as well. So in the final weeks leading up to her death, as was her way of making her predictions, she would be sitting on her porch playing her guitar and singing them. That's, <gasps> that's how she made her prediction. Oh, she would sing hilarious. them. So she sang one final deadly prediction. Or was it a curse? <laughs> this is what she's saying. Uh-oh. When I die, I take the whole town with me. When I die, I take the whole town. Whoa. Um, her song has also been documented by Helen Schlosser Berg, who was one of the town survivors. Oh. I say survivors because there's com- something coming up. Aunt Julia Brown, this is quote unquote, this is what she says. Aunt Julia Brown mm-hmm. always sat in front of her front porch, played her guitar, and sang songs that she would make up. The words to one of the songs she say, she sang said that one day she would die and every, everything would die with her. Mm-mm. Well, not long after Julia passes <laughs> from old age, 
So she dies. Mm-hmm. September 15, 1915. Pretty much the entire town shows up to her funeral. Um, some showed up out of fear, some out of guilt, and some honestly wanted to pay their respects. As the nails were hammered into her coffin, a sudden and unusually devastating hurricane ripped through the entire village. Like, literally, as they are hammering the last nail into her coffin, it's like in the afternoon, rips through the village, leaving only two citizens out of the whole town left alive. In Frenier, the surrounding towns of Ruddock and Apton, the storm was disastrous. The storm surge flattened every building in the area, washed away railroad tracks, and knocked over cypress trees. 25 Frenier residents perished while attempting to weather the storm in a railroad depot when the building collapsed, at, and at least 275 people are killed in Frenier, and Frenier was almost wiped, wiped oh my completely gosh. off the map. In fact, so many people were lost that locals claim it's still common for skeletons to surface today, (laughs) only to drift down the muggy swamp. That's insane. So the day of her funeral was described by one newspaper in this way. It was the New Orleans Times Picayune from October 2nd, 1915. So mind you, this is the way they talked Mm -hmm. back then. (laughs) Many pranks were played by wind and tide. Negroes had gathered for miles around to attend the funeral of Aunt Julia Brown, an old negress who was well known in that section and was big a big property owner. The funeral was scheduled and Aunt Julia had been placed in her casket and the casket in turn had been placed in the customary wooden box and sealed. At four o'clock, however, the storm had become so violent that the Negroes left the house in a stampede, abandoning the corpse. The corpse was found Thursday and so was the wooden box, but the casket never has been found what of course well i mean there was a this storm storm. yeah of course it was not only (laughs) for near that had sorry (laughs) he's very demanding i know (laughs) are you spoiled he's totally spoiled Mm mm-hmm Okay, of course, it was not only Frenier that had suffered loss of life and damage because of the 1915 New Orleans hurricane. It was a Category 4, and much of Louisiana was affected by this. As for Frenier, over the years, many developers have tried to rebuild in the area, but the only thing that remains on the island where Julia Brown's village once stood is a mass grave where the dead were buried. And when they buried them, they pretty much had to bury them where they found them. Yeah. Because they didn't have anything. They didn't have caskets. They didn't have anything. So they're still there to this day, yeah. probably. Yeah. There is still a small population that clings to this area, and it is known for fishing and swamp tours, and they also have haunted oh, haunted yeah. swamp tours. I can imagine. So as you can imagine, the entire island now has a reputation for being an insanely active paranormal hotspot where hundreds of people have experienced unexplained activity including the sound of ghostly a ghostly voice singing julia's infamous Mm -hmm. song other activity in the swamp includes actually seeing what many believe is the ghost of julia brown and at times the swamp will be filled with the loud screams of a woman's voice there is even a local legend of a beast called the rougarou that can appear in any form of its choosing it attacks unwitting people and if you are bitten by this creature you will be cursed 
Um, so back to Julia and the moniker of Voodoo Priestess, if this is what she was. One present day practitioner of Voodoo Bloody Mary, think what a name, uh-huh. thinks that it was not a curse, but a warning, and that Julia was probably misunderstood mm. and is quoted in a mental floss blog by Bess Lovejoy saying, Voodoo isn't as much about curses as it is about healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we can thank Hollywood for everybody's conceptions about or misconceptions about voodoo yeah because in slavery that's what they used in all those that's that's how they healed each other they took care of each other was by using what they call voodoo but it wasn't anything bad i know did you just see that yeah Mm. interesting the lights just flashed in my office (laughs) um so what do you think was it a curse or was it a warning i think it was a warning what do you think I think it was a warning. Mm-hmm. I think it was a warning. I told you it was short. That was short, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. So all these years, she's been blamed for, I don't Natural know, disaster. A natural disaster. And she probably did have a premonition, because if she was a healer, right. she probably had I think other gifts. That she was, but I think that she wanted them to think that she was responsible for it, because it was a, a, her last fuck you to them. Yeah. It kind of sounds like she mm-hmm. was just like, you know, fuck this town. Fuck you people for yep. making me. Guess what? There's going to be this thing that comes and wipes all you clean. A couple of you are going to survive. F- fucking figure it out. I, d- I just like have this mental image of her like rocking <clears throat> on her porch yeah. with her little guitar like, <laughs> fuck you motherfuckers. Okay. You're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I get it. I get it. That short but one. sweet. Well, I'm glad that I did that long ass story. And yeah, did your short one. that it worked, worked out. out good. That worked out. So our next uh, episode will be just the paranormal, and we'll kind of figure out how we're going to work that out. But again, comment. Comment. Let us know what you think about that. <laughs> My baby girl. God, I need these puppies. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. <laughs> So you just wait. Cute. She's going to drive you crazy. Are you going to drive me crazy? So crazy? What you probably are. Can't she's, be even worse She's going to be glued to your butt. <laughs> oh, hi. Did I call you He's, with my meowing? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> All right, you guys. That's that's our stories for tonight. Thank you guys for listening. As always. I'm Alma. <laughs> she's Carlene. <laughs> Good night. Good night.